What's going on, people? Welcome back to another episode on the T Wood Show. I'm your host, Travis Woodham. I hope you enjoy this one. Today, we're going to dive in right into the U.S. upcoming friendlies against England and Italy, as well as the search for the next U.S. men's national team head coach, which we've waited over a year for, by the way, which is insane. And I know everybody is frustrated, including myself, and also my guest on the show, Brock Cavanaugh. How you doing, Brock? I'm doing good. You got this wonderful vanilla cupcake candle in here, which is just, I mean, it's wonderful. So so thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome, dude. Um, I thought about lighting it, and I'm actually going to light it right now. Um, so you guys can hear this clicker. I'm going to light this vanilla candle to make it smell amazing in here. But anyways, um, talking about lighting fires and lighting candles, Tab Ramos. He, he lit a fire in the U-20 national team mm. players. Because uh, this week they were down there in Florida at IMG Academy, and they were spanking teams. I mean, it was just insane. Right now they have 26 goals forced with two against. Wow. That's a 24-goal difference. It is. That's pretty amazing. That's great math. Yeah, and I believe they also broke the record for uh, most goals scored in a single game mm. for the U.S. team. 13-0. Yep. Who was that against? That was against the Virgin Islands, which is technically a U.S. territory. After that game, I don't know if they can call them the Virgin Islands anymore after what they did to them. <laughs> they definitely are not virgins anymore to goal thrashing. Okay? So that that is just insane. I'm, I'm actually proud of that team. And it does show how the young talent that we have, even though it's CONCACAF, okay, there's a little bit of a... Asterisk to this, asterisk to this uh, whole, you know, tournament. It's the Concacaf. It's not great, right? Um, but at the same time, I like to see all those goals scored. That means yeah. we're actually killing. We're dominating. Yeah, which is a good sign. Um, but yeah, we got these U.S. friendlies coming up against England and Italy. Mm-hmm. What's your initial thoughts about these? The thing I'm most interested in is I've heard that Wayne Rooney is going to get a farewell <clears throat> national team match. That's right. Uh, for England, um, kind of fitting since he's come to the MLS to be able to do that against the United States. So I think that's going to be an interesting um, game. That's probably going to draw a lot of attention. That's probably going to be the focus, all the cameras on him um, and kind of, you know, honoring him for, for what he's done for his country. Um, I don't personally put too much stock in these friendlies. I, of course, want to see some of these young guys get chances um, people getting their first call-ups and some of these younger guys. And as we slowly, you know, phase a lot of the older players out. Um, and so that's kind of all I look for from the friendlies. And then just kind of seeing our playing style. Are we trying to transition mm-hmm. to more attacking, moving the ball, moving into open space? Um, or is it just kind of the same old, same old, just with some new faces? So that's what I, I most look for in the friendlies. But like I said, don't put too much stock in the scores of the games or anything like that. Exactly. And – as I recall, as you guys recall, we just played uh, the past two previous uh, friendlies were against Colombia, which we lost 4-2, to two, which is kind of a crazy game. It was very entertaining, for sure. And at first, you know, when we scored that first goal, I was like, oh my goodness, like, do we actually have a chance? But then second half started, and I think they scored like three unanswered. Or maybe not. I think this... At the very end, I think they scored three unanswered. Because we went, we went up 2-1, I believe. 
and then they scored three unanswered after that. Yeah, just some crazy goals too. I remember if I remember yeah. correctly, just was there a bicycle kick in there or something? It was just yeah, it was nuts. But that was an entertaining game. I think I called the second half of that game. It was yeah. it was pretty entertaining. Now, I have have you noticed that that whole Raymond James Stadium was filled with Colombian fans? Yeah, that it was, where, like, it was all yellow. Where did they all come from? That's what I, that's what I want to know. All the friendlies that get held, it, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, just the, these national fans from from the other countries that we play, they just come out in full force. I don't know what it is. I think part of it is Miami's pretty close. I mean, it's not very close, but. In the relation of the country, you have Miami that's down there, very, you know, flavored of the international yes. South American flavors. Yes. So I think you get a lot of that coming up to Tampa. And as you could tell, I mean, the whole place was yellow. I mean, you have this one little section of the American Outlaws behind our goal, but that was it. Yeah. And you actually hear like the crowd was going nuts when Columbia scored. Oh, yeah. It's like, this is a freaking home game. Yeah, that's what it seemed like for sure. But anyways, we then had a, you know, we got a point from against Peru, which Josh Sargent scored. Um, care top man. He was, he was pretty good in that game. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about what's upcoming. Like you said, Rooney's getting the captain armband. It's kind of for charity. This really isn't a joke, though. I feel like Rooney really wants to win this game. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm sure he's got a point to prove. I mean, I read something the other day that was comparing the um, career paths that Ronaldo and Rooney have taken. Ronaldo's a year older than Rooney, uh, even though he doesn't look like it. Rooney looks like he's about 45, and Ronaldo still looks like he's... Yeah, so Ronaldo's 33 now, Rooney's 32. Um, and last summer, Ronaldo made a hundred, you know, million pound transfer to Juventus, and Rooney got a free transfer to DC United. So I think Rooney's got a little bit of a point to prove. I think he's fine. He's he's become more of a family man. I think he's you know with his, with his kids growing up, um, he's putting a lot of focus on his family now. But he does have a point to prove. I think I think uh, there's a lot of people that have forgotten about him. Um, you know, a lot of the, the European fans would have forgotten about him. So um, maybe even the English fans, too. For So he's going to have a point to prove, I think. He's going to be trying to pull the strings. He'll probably play in a central midfield position um, like he's been doing a lot for D.C. United um, and trying to run the show. And, and, you know, if he does, I'll be happy for him um, in a fitting way to go out because I do think he's – been a little bit underappreciated towards the end of his career, but the guy started playing professionally at 16, you know. Yeah, so don't forget like, about that. Right, and how long can somebody's legs last, you know. I mean, he, he's had a good 14 or so years um, leading up to these these last couple years where he's dropped off a little bit, but that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most with the upcoming friendly. Yeah, and just to remind you guys, that game against England is November 15th at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. At Wembley Stadium in London, England. Okay, big atmosphere for that game, I feel like. I feel like there's actually going to be a lot of fans there because of Rooney and what he means to, to England and to you know Manchester United, obviously. Um, but like you said, this guy had an amazing career. This is his 120th cap for the England team. But I believe he still holds the record, I think, for most goals scored in the EPL. 
I have to check that. I have, fact check me on there, guys. But I'm pretty sure he's a top time. He's top five at least. Yeah, I think he, I think he is in the top five. I know he's Manchester United's all time leading scorer. He okay. did break that in his last season. Um, but I I do think I think uh, I think there's a couple that are above him in the Premier League as far as that goes. Um, but I know I mean being Manchester United's all time leading scorer. That's that's pretty impressive in and of itself. So yes. Um, you know, kind of one of these guys that you know. It's something that I hope doesn't happen to some of our young stars where they get kind of a lot of responsibility put on them very young because um, that happened to Rooney um, at one of the Euros uh, that that he, he was, I believe, still a teenager and just burst onto the scene um, and killed it. But like I said, just kind of an underappreciated character, um, kind of had some off-the-field issues and things like that, that that hurt his reputation a little bit too. Um, but I'm all for him having a good game and, and going out in a, in a fitting way there in England. Yeah, yeah and plus, uh, he, I think he did really well. Obviously, let's not forget about what he did for the MLS. And, and, or more specifically, what he did for DC United. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brought that team back to the playoffs this year. Yep. He basically single-handedly did it, along with Assad, which he, was, he played amazing. Uh, Areola as well. That was a big addition to that team. So... Rooney did lead that D.C. United team to the playoffs this year, even though they, they got knocked out um, on PKs, which is just obviously the worst way to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the best way to go, you know, if you win. But at the same time, you have to give the man props. I mean, he went to the MLS and just tore it up. Yeah. He took a team that was struggling and made it to the playoffs. That, that says something. Um, but anyways, let, let's talk about the U.S. team. Now, you're speaking about Rooney being 16, playing for England. What about Pulisic? Pulisic has started, I believe, when he was – obviously he played with the U16, U17s, but I think he started playing his senior team debut at 18. So only two years older than Rooney when he started. Uh, But now he's back. He's back from injury. He was injured the the previous two friendlies against Colombia and Peru. Um, but he's been playing decently well for Dortmund, actually, mm-hmm. uh, recently. So I'm actually really excited to see him back on the squad. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the players I'm going to really, you know, obviously look to to see how he does for these next two friendlies against England and Italy. Um, I feel like he has a little bit of something to prove because of the fact he missed the last two friendlies. And I think we were lacking a little bit of creativity in the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what are your thoughts about him coming back? No, I definitely think watching watching our guys play the last couple games, it's like there's pieces that are looking better and better. Our play through the wings um, and finding some of these guys at fullback that can put in crosses and get up and down um, the field. I think that's something that's improving. But like you said, in the middle of the field, we've I feel like we've lacked a little bit of creativity, which I think Christian can come in and help out with. Um, so I'll be interested in that. And I think, too, like you said, a point to prove um, because there's been some other names, Tim Weah and some of these guys that have started making a name for themselves that have had people excited. And I think mm-hmm. I think Pulisic is wanting to come back and be like, hey, guys, remember me? I'm, I'm still, this is my team. I'm still the most talented player that this country has ever produced, ever. So, um, yeah, he's been doing well for Dortmund. Um, come back from an injury. There was speculation over the summer about a transfer possibly to the Premier League, um, possibly to Bayern Munich. I would hate if he goes to Bayern Munich, but I think all those things kind of affect you a little bit, and I'm sure it hurt him a lot not being able to play at the World Cup. Um, and so I do yeah. think he has a point to prove, and I'll be excited. But I definitely want to see him 
be a big contributor of the team, but I don't want us to try to do everything through him. I don't think he's quite ready um, to run games completely by himself right now, and nor should he be expected to with how young he is. But I do think he can help out a lot with the creativity and with a lot of quick young guys around him. I'm really excited to see how he plays. Yeah, me too. I, and it's interesting the style of play where he can really take, I think, the team to the next level as far as creativity goes, um, which will help a ton, I think, with the midfield players, uh, as you said. But I would actually would like to see Tim Weah um, maybe start as a forward. I don't know. Right now, Sarikin has Bobby Wood and Josh Sargent as the forwards on this roster. Um, which I think Tim Weah is still considered a forward, even though he's a midfield player. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, he's on a wing. But um, I I don't know. I feel like he might do well as a forward. I realize he's super quick and he's very creative, and I think that's why he's on the wing. But I would like to see him kind of link up with Pelusic yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to see that happen. Yeah. But Bobby Wood, he did get a goal against Colombia, which I think helped his confidence. Obviously, Josh Sargent got that goal against Peru as well, so both forwards have scored the past two friendlies. It would be tough against England. England's got a very good defense. I mean, they went to, what, the semifinals of the World Cup, was it? Yeah. So, I mean, this team isn't, you know, a walk in a park for obvious reasons, but, like, it's going to be tough for them to score a goal. I think it's just going to be tough. I think it's going to take a lot of creativity from their midfield players, i.e. Pulisic, and then also just making smart runs as for the forwards. It's just going to be tough, especially with oh – gosh. Especially with uh, – what's his name? Uh, the center back for um, England. Stones. Stones. Yeah, I, feel Stones. Like he, I feel like he played really well yeah. in the World Cup. Yeah, and so uh so I don't. I have to look at the roster of England, but I'm pretty sure they it's, played a lot of three at the back um, in the World Cup. With yeah. they moved Kyle Walker instead of playing him as a right back, they kind of brought him in and played him as a right center back. And so mm-hmm. just a ton of speed back there. John Stones can bring the ball out from the back, and then they had several different people who can play it at the left side of the that back three. Um, but w- w- kind of what the roster that got released shows me with Sargent and Wood being the only two forwards list on the roster is that they're going to look to probably play a 4-3-3 and use some of these wide guys. Um, so several guys that could get a chance out there, your Julian Greens, um, you know, and then, like we said, Pulisic could play out there, Tim Weah could play out there. Um, but I think what I'm seeing from this roster is a lot of flexibility to be able to do a lot of different things with it. Yeah. I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, and of course, after the England game, you got Italy on November twentieth at two forty five Eastern time, um, and that's gonna be at Luminous Arena. And actually, it's gonna be in Belgium, guys. It's actually not in Italy. It's gonna be in Genk or Gent. I have no clue. It's G E N K. I don't know what type of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for as far as voices and language? Dialect. The act, the dialect or the or the accent I need to to pronounce that city name in Belgium. But anyway, it's going to be in Belgium and not Italy. I wonder why. 
Not sure. But what I do know is that Italy's going to come out with a point to prove as well with them missing the World Cup. That's true. They're going to be giving some call-ups to a lot of guys who either didn't get as much playing time as they would have liked or uh, didn't make the roster at all in those qualifying matches. So they're going to come with a point to prove as well. Um, And Italy is always very technical, can keep possession of the ball, always very defensively strong. So I like these friendlies from an American point of view because we do we are playing against some very strong defensive teams. Obviously, they're very good attacking as well. But um, England and Italy, both, both very, very solid in the back. Um, and so it should be interesting to see if we can create any chances or goals against those two teams. Yep. Like I said, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, and to your point of the fact that Italy did miss the World Cup as well, there is a point. There is a point to be proven. At the same time, it is a friendly. There's no points going to be sacrificed here. So I think, but at the same time, you know, the competitive nature of both countries. You know, it's like, hey, we're really the only few teams that are playing friendlies right now at this calendar year. So let's actually make a showing and show the world, like, hey, you know what? We missed the World Cup, but. We actually were a good team. Yeah, so. but come on. I mean, against against the United States, that's the game they should always be expecting to win. So if you're an Italian fan and if you're a player on the team and you realize we didn't make the World Cup, our fans are disappointed, even though it is a friendly, you come out and draw or lose to the United States, I mean, that's that's almost as much chaos as could possibly be created. That's as bad of a situation as can be contrived for – um, if you're an Italian fan or an Italian player. Um, right. So, again, yeah, it's it's just a friendly, but I feel like there's a little bit more added on to this just because of the, the situation that both countries were in this past summer. I agree, Brock. Definitely. Now let's dive into a little bit more about the U.S. men's national team coach search, which is absolutely ridiculous once again, waiting forever, over a year for this to happen. And if it's not somebody amazing, then, like, why do we wait so long? That's my question to ask. But here is a list of potential coaches according to goal.com. Here are the running list of the top candidates for the men's national team head coaching position. We have Greg Burhalter, Jesse March, Peter Vermes, Tab Ramos, Greg Vanny, Tata Martino, Martino, I believe. How do you say it, Brock? Tata Martino. Bob Bradley, Carlos Cuerzo. Quieros. And tell me, he is the, he used to be the Iranian coach? Yes, yeah, so he coached Iran at the World Cup. He's been a very high-level assistant manager both at Real Madrid and Manchester United and held very high-profile jobs. He doesn't stay places very long, but he has coached Iran for the past seven years and actually coached in the MLS about 20 years ago. So he hasn't been around U.S. soccer for a while, but we'll talk more about him because I'm very excited about yeah. him. Yeah, and then the last two on the list is Louise Van Gaal and Caleb Porter. Okay, so that's the list of running candidates that supposedly are the top candidates for the U.S. coaching job. Um, but, yeah, Brock, go ahead and dive in a l- little bit about um, Carlos. How do you say his last name? Kieros. Go ahead, Brock. Yeah. So I like him out of everybody on this list. I had never really even considered him until I saw this article about the potential candidates. 
But, um, you know, why would you not want to coach in the United States if your options are Iran or the United States? Like, I feel like it would be pretty obvious to pick. They the made the World Cup, Brock. They did. They did that. But, uh, you know, for not having to – anyways, before yes. we get too political. Um, no, I, I really do like him. He actually ran all the training sessions for Manchester United when uh, he was Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, assistant coach. He would set up the training session. Sir Alex was great at managing players and managing all the egos and doing all the substitutions and setting up for games and all that stuff. But as far as the training sessions themselves, that was all down to Carlos. He took care of all of that stuff. And everyone that has played underneath him just has the highest reviews about him of, of how good he is as a coach. And he only left to pursue bigger jobs. That was what he was always just kind of using each club as a stepping stone. Um, so he would have kind of fallen off the radar a little bit in the past couple of years. But I would be that would be one that if, you know, if it breaks on ESPN or Fox Sports that he's the next manager, there'd be a lot of people being like, who and they would you know the the profile on him would be like well he led Iran to the World Cup but it's much bigger than that he's got so much experience at the top level I for one would be very very excited um, and he's a smart guy too knows lots of different languages from all the countries that he's coached in. Yeah. Um, so he'd be a, a fantastic choice if we were going to look for someone who's not an American um, to come in and coach. And like you said, I do think it's interesting with how long we've waited. I feel like we've kind of set ourselves up for disappointment because if it's not a, yes. you know, Zidane or Arsene Wenger or Jose Mourinho gets fired from United and comes in and coaches, if it's not a big profile name like that and we've waited this long to appoint someone that most people have never heard of, eh, you may get a little bit of backlash from it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. But that Carlos really intrigues me now that you brought that up. Yeah. He really did intrigue me a lot. Um, and I think the questions for U.S. fans would be like, I, I, now, bear with me here. When people see that and see him, it's like, he's not even American. You know, they're going to get those people. Right. But at the same time, hopefully, people who understand soccer can understand, like, dude, it doesn't necessarily matter as much as long as he's bringing success to the club. But at the same time, I understand the point of, oh, he's not American, but would you really want an American MLS guy to coach your team? Which I get it fits. He's American. You know, we're all American. Go America. But it's like, well, this guy, he's been around the whole world. You know, I'd rather have somebody who has the mind, has, you know, the coaching ability to take a team far. I don't care if he's necessarily Iranian or Japanese or English, you know, as long as he, or even German. I mean, it's like pretty, coach the team. Yeah, pretty much yeah. qualifier number one is being able to speak English. I think that's the, yeah. the biggest thing. But we we've seen uh, an international coach and in Klinsman come in and just try to find as many German American players. You know, find that that second tier of players who couldn't play for the German national team, and so they were able to somehow, you know get the American citizenship and played. And so we've seen that experiment. Um, you know, we've, we've obviously seen Bruce arena twice now, and then we've, we've seen, um, Bob Bradley. Um, Oh my goodness. You know, I can't, I can't see Bob Bradley again. No, there's no way. There's no way. He just, uh, anyways, he frustrates me a lot, but, um, anyway, if it's, if it is an international coach, it needs to be somebody, um, who's been at the highest level 
Carlos Quiros has been at the biggest clubs in the world, and he's also managed Iran. And we so he's he's worked with players from both sides of the spectrum. He's worked with absolute world superstars, um, with Ronaldo at Manchester United and and everybody at Real Madrid that he's worked with. Then he's also worked with with the players from Iran that I couldn't name one of them. You know, and so he's seen both sides. So I do think he could come in. Um, and do very well whether he's someone that would be seriously considered the thing I'm kind of most nervous about at this point having waited this long I feel like they are waiting for the MLS season to end um, and kind of seeing which MLS coach they want to pick Um, I could see it being Burhalter from the Columbus crew Um, they do play um, you know a good a good style of soccer um and I don't know what the update is on I know they've been hashtag save the crew talking about moving it out of Columbus so I don't know what's going to happen with that if that would lead towards him being the coach if if the team gets disbanded or whatever um but out of the American options he'd be my pick um but yeah. I, I would go international I would someone who's been at the highest level who'd come in with authority that everybody in that squad everybody on the coaching staff is going to look up to and be like okay you know way more about this than we do what have you got to say? What direction do we need to go in? I like that. I like those thoughts, Brock. Really good. And I'm going to give you guys my kind of my prediction, or at least um, somebody who I think would be a good choice for this job. And his name is Tab Ramos. He is currently the U20 men's national team national coach. Um, and the reason I think he could get the job or should get the job is because he knows all these youth players that we have a senior team who is very youthful anyways. So he has a lot of players on a senior team right now that were just a few years separated from him. So depending upon the player, if he didn't necessarily like Tab, I mean, obviously you just get the political there. But at the same time, it's a familiar face. It's a familiar system. And Tab knows these players very, very well from their young age to growing through the U.S. Soccer Academy. Um, I think that would help a lot. I think that's what's made Tab to me a you know front runner for as far as the candidates goes. Um, I feel like he could do a very good job because of those reasons and the other reason of the fact that he has been the U.S. coach for a very long time. The U.S. Soccer really likes him. Um, so I don't know. I think if you had to choose somebody from the inside, I think Tab would definitely be a good option as far as the best option within uh, U.S. soccer already. Uh, but outside of U.S. soccer, I really like your prediction of, of Carlos. Um, I could see the MLS coach as well. I think because they're waiting so long, it kind of does lead to the point of the fact that, hey, maybe we're just waiting for the MLS season to be over, yeah. which kind of is like it's kind of a letdown, honestly. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's like, man, we waited so long. It's like, just name the guy already. All right. You know? But anyways, Tab Ramos is my guy. I feel like from the U20 national coach right now, I feel like he could do a good job because of the youth that's already on the team. He knows his players very well. Right. But. I think I think with Tab Ramos, he um, also a little shout-out that he played at NC State uh, for his did he really? career. He did. Um, so wow. Kind of neat there. Um, and then – what it's saying here 81 appearances for the national team over the course of of 12 or 13 years um 
I would if they were going to promote anybody, he'd be fantastic. Um, he'd be he'd be great for them to uh, promote up to um, the head coaching job. I just wonder if they keep it in the organization. Are they really going to let him do his job? Are they really going to let him become the guy who makes all the key decisions to move not only the national team forward but the entire program across the country, or if they hire from within, are they going to just have somebody who's a yes man who can't come in and make as much of a change, whose hands are going to be tied a little bit, you know? And so that's the only thing that I would be worried about if they hired from within. Whereas if they if they were to go out and get an international, you know, super coach, um, they're pretty much it, it would be whatever he says goes. You have to take that guy's voice as the main authority on on what a, a national team and what a what a soccer program as a whole should go and do moving forward so I would think it'd be interesting but Tab Ramos would be a, a fantastic choice if they let him get on with his job his style of play as a coach is great he's worked with a lot of these guys that are getting call-ups now and so that'd be a, a fantastic pick as well yeah because you got just to name a few of the players that he's worked with obviously you got Tyler Adams Christian Pulisic uh, Josh Sargent I want to say Bobby Wood um and I believe Tim Weah as well. I mean, all these guys who are who are on the senior team now obviously have played with the U.S. system. Um, so it's not really a matter of, oh, has he worked with him? I think there's maybe a few players that haven't grown up in the U.S. soccer system but have now joined the, the senior team. For instance, the international players like Julian Green. Um, um, I think DeAndre Yedlin, I think, did grow up in the U.S. academies. Um, but yeah, Julian Green, usually the international, more of the dual citizenship guys are not as familiar with with Tab, but the guys, m- the majority are familiar with him. So anyway, we're going to move on and let you guys decide for yourself. Who do you guys think or predict would be the, the next men's national team coach? You can give me uh, a, a shout out on my Facebook page at the T-Wood Show, or you can comment where I posted this on my Facebook page and let us know what your thoughts are about the U- the next U.S. men's national team coach. Um, but I'm excited about these next friendlies coming up. I'm sure, Brock, I'm sure you are as well to see what's going to happen, especially with Pelusic back, which I really love that fact that he's back to really kind of create more for the team in the midfield area um, and then hopefully score some goals. Yeah. So I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm the, My expectations aren't very high, though, um, against these two really good international teams with England and Italy. I mean – the history is there. Um, obviously, England making it to the semifinal. Uh, Italy, even though they didn't make it, still a very amazing, you know, amazingly good team. But at the same time, I would love to see our team win. Um, I don't expect it, but my prediction of the score would be 2-0 to England. And I'm going to say 1-1 against Italy. Okay. What do you think, Brock? I'm going to go against England. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 3-1 England. Okay. And against Italy, you know, I can see a 1-1. I think I'm going to go with that as well. Okay. Give us your predictions, guys, before the match, obviously. Um, But thanks for listening in. And let let me know if my friends are out there, my friends and family, and anybody who else is just happened to come across my podcast and would love to join, please let me know. Comment on my Facebook post. Tell me who you are. We'll message and we'll get you on the show at some point. Anyways, thank you guys. Thank you, friends. Thank you, soccer heads. Peace out for now. See you next time.